Welcome to Immersive Talks. This is Palmer Foote from Bigfoot Music and Sound hosting episodes with Jump Into the Light around the connection between immersive technologies and the human condition. I want to give a few shout outs. Firstly, to Jump Into the Light, a virtual reality arcade where anyone can experience immersive gaming, art, and the latest technology. You can find out more at jumpintothelight.nyc. Mihao and Royal from Jump help produce this podcast and find incredible guests to be interviewed. I'm a commercial and freelance music producer, and ever since experiencing a meditation garden in VR, my worldview changed. I'm interested in seeing how immersive technology influences traditional concepts of community building and idea proliferation. This episode, I get a chance to speak with Imani Jones, founder of Find Your ID NYC, a creative agency specializing in branding, marketing, and event production. She started the Exchange Fashion Festival that takes place in New York and Milan every year. This year, it took place at Jump, featuring four designers from across the globe. We get into her background and her take on the evolving relationship between fashion, branding, and immersive media. Check out Find Your ID at FYIDNYC.com. Come through on April 9th for our next collaborative event. Imani Jones, welcome to Jump Into the Light and Immersive Talks. Thanks, Palmer. Happy to be here. A few weeks ago, we interviewed Free um, for the fashion show that you were a part of um, on February 14th here at Jump Into the Light. Um, And in this room that we're sitting in, there were, you know, 40 models or something like that. All stuffed in this little room. (laughs) Yeah, there were. (laughs) Yeah, I can only imagine what that night was like. I unfortunately couldn't make it, but um, Mm -hmm. I saw a bunch of videos and got to interview free and Miss Vietnam about it. And it was an amazing event. Mm -hmm. Um, Could you give us a little bit of background on who you are and where you come from and Mm -hmm. what what brings you to New York? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, actually, I'm a New York native. I'm originally from Queens, New York. Um, I grew up here, but I studied abroad in Italy at Bocconi University. Mm-hmm. Um, I was out there for about five years. That's also where I founded my company in Milan. And um, we actually brought the main base back to New York about two years ago. And we've been working here um, on marketing, branding, and event production. Um, and we were able to collaborate with Dumb Into the Light for our New York Fashion Week event. That is a biannual event. Um, and it was a great success. So I'm excited for the future and all the events we have coming up. We actually have something coming up that's going to mix fashion and dance. Oh, yeah. Is that with Flex? With Flex Dance. Nice. Dance program. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. Super excited. Super excited. And getting a lot of street style brands on board for that project. So Great. Where did your taste develop? Um, so I'm actually a photographer. And uh, I've been shooting for at least five years. So I started originally expanding my creativity with photography through photography as a medium. Um, I actually never considered myself a creative until then um, because I just took a more traditional route to school, um, studying finance and marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, But getting into photography, I was able to realize my creativity um, individually. and, And also, it's something that I felt that I had, but I just never pursued it until... I was put into the studio and and given an opportunity to create. So from there, I've just been, you know, experimenting with different uh, mediums to express myself. Um, I feel that the events that we produce and create are ultimately a product of my creativity as well. 
And um, yeah, I think that everyone is creative. They just need to be given a platform to to find themselves. So, Where was the first time you experienced working in a photo studio? Um, so in an actual photo studio, it was actually through my mentor, um, Ricardo Andre, who taught me photography. Um, with experimenting with different lighting and different models and also bringing in the elements of fashion. Um, before that, I was doing mostly travel photography. Um, so it's a completely different style. Mm-hmm. But in the studio, I feel like I was able to actually develop um, my own sense of style and just put things together and create images, um, which, you know, also is considered a form of artwork. So, yeah, the first studio was here in New York, but I've been shooting internationally for years. What's travel photography like? I, that was always <laughs> a dream. You know, I feel like it's so many little kids' dreams to go and, and travel and take photos. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously more than kids now when you have Instagram and things like that, it makes it, it, makes it different. But what was getting you into travel photography? and What, what mm-hmm. drew you to that? Um, I think it was just having a curiosity for cultures and wanting to see different people on, well, through my lens. Um, so all the different places I would go to, I would look at the different trends and the different styles. Um, I would look at the different things that were considered beautiful um, in those places. And um, and really, I found that even through travel photography, I was really focused on the style, the fashions of these different people more than the actual scenery. Mm. Um, and then that also helped me to develop the concept for the exchange as well, because when I was traveling, I would see all these different trends happening internationally and just seeing how they influence each other. Um, and then when you come to New York, you kind of see elements of that in different styles here. And really in New York, I think is is probably the best way to to see the world because all the different things that I saw internationally, I always see here mm. brought back um, and just with a different take on it. But you see those things played out on the streets. So... The Exchange Fashion Festival happens in New York and Milan every Mm -hmm. year. And um, this year it took place at Jump Into the Light on Valentine's Day. Yeah. How did that fashion event come to be? Mm -hmm. Um, So we've been actually having the event on Valentine's Day since we started. Mm. Um, The first first reason was uh, we wanted to kind of show like international… Well, I would say like interracial love as well. So we were trying to bring together like different groups of models coming together and walking down the runway together. Um, Mm. And the designer that we had for the show last year also made matching pieces for the the models, for the couples walking out. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so it was something like, something interesting that we were inspired by. But but yeah, it came to Jump Into The Light because I was actually introduced to it. by Efren uh, at an art gallery, and he thought that it would be a good fit for the venue. So cool. I came by here, and I checked it out, fell in love with the space immediately. And, uh, and yeah, I was just really excited to to bring you guys on board with it. So, And what kind of events, spaces, do mm-hmm. you usually have fashion shows at? Mm-hmm. So we always look for spaces that are a little bit non-traditional um, because I feel that our concept— isn't really the traditional show. Um, and and a lot of people have said that as well. We don't really try to make our shows match 
um, what the industry standard is. You know, we really try to break that down and, and our events always try to also show the intersection between art, fashion and music. Um, so it's not really about just the fashion. We also bring in international artists. We had an Afrobeats artist named Timani that was featured this year. We had Shakar, who's, you know, actually very big in Brooklyn, just recently did Afropunk as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a violinist, um, sorry, a ballerina there that was dancing to traditional Vietnamese music. Um, she was from Georgia, you know, so mm-hmm. we always tried to bring in different elements of culture. And um, we also had a visual art display as well. So, you know, downstairs we'll have the art gallery, upstairs the fashion show, and um, and the musical performances in between. So this kind of production is, it takes a lot. Mm-hmm. What what did it take to to get to February 14th this year at Jump Into the Light? Mm. Um, I think it takes passion, um, for sure, because there are so many moving parts, and um, we're also a very small team, you know? So a lot of those parts— um, we have to pick up the slack on, you know, and a lot of us do different jobs. Um, mm. So even if you're working specifically with the artist, you might have to um, influence the fashion element of the show. And if you're doing the, the music, you're also coordinating with the fashion designers as well, you know. Um, everything really coincides with each other and they all play on each other. So it really does take like a, a strong amount of passion for the project to keep things like this going. Um, And then second, having organization, um, just thinking of everything, every little detail that could possibly go wrong in advance um, and trying to foreshadow what could happen. Um, And that's something that has been a skill that we've been developing through doing different events. It's something that you can't really read in textbooks. You know, you have to just experience it and and learn from those experiences, you know? So, yeah, main thing is passion and organization. So, Find Your ID mm-hmm. NYC mm-hmm. is the company that you founded. So, we're a creative agency. Um, we specialize in branding, marketing, and events. But I think you're really right. This this idea of making yourself kind of uncomfortable, mm-hmm. using a non-traditional space, mm-hmm. having models that wouldn't normally be walking down the runway together, yeah. um, styles and designers who you usually wouldn't be in the same room together. Yeah. Um, so has that been helpful for you to, to put yourself continually in these positions? And what kind of benefits do you get from putting yourself in that uncomfortable position? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say definitely from, from my background, um, having studied abroad and having traveled, you know, to 26 countries, you know, I was able to be, to experience that feeling of being uncomfortable and also trying to communicate with people that did not understand me. Um, So really trying to do my best to communicate with them at their level and also in their language, you know, even if you don't personally speak that language, you know, we had Miss Vietnam here Mm -hmm. that came in just for our event, you know. And um, and she she didn't speak full English, so we are trying to make sure that we can make sure that all of her concerns are addressed and um, and those are communicated with our staff so that we're representing her in the best way, you know. Um, I think that's training for life because you're always going to be in situations where you might not know people in the room or you might not know what to expect from the people that 
you're in the room with, you know, it it just teaches you a way to approach situations mm-hmm. um, where you're always respectable and um, and you're always understood as well. So yeah, I think it's it's good life training. So twenty six countries, mm-hmm. and how many languages do you speak? Um, so I would say two point five. Uh-huh. You know, um, I grew up on Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned Spanish throughout my young life up until up until high school, and then from high school I started to study Italian. Um, and obviously, I'm an English native. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What What was it about Italy that drew you in? Um, Initially, the food. Mm-hmm. Initially, the food. But when I got there, I realized I didn't even know what Italian food was because uh, we had the American right, version of Italian right. food, <laughs> like chicken parmesan, yeah. you know, or Alfredo sauce. Yeah. <laughs> it's like just, yeah. yeah. But um, originally, the food. <laughs> originally, the food. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you got there, what was the uh, what was the scene like? What were people? What did you notice about? what people were wearing and the kind of style. Mm. Um, definitely Italians are super fashionable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people say that New York is the most fashionable city, but Italy is… Uh, Italy, they have a, a culture around fashion, you know. And um, a lot of things that we use in fashion are produced there and they still have a very high standard um, mm-hmm. of made in Italy products. Um Definitely, like, there are some issues right now with trying to keep and maintain that standard now with globalization. But um, but just seeing how much passion they put into their outfits and their presentation, um, it was Shoes. interesting to me. Shoes, but also <laughs> hair, you know, just, like, yeah. hairstyles and, you know, mm. accessories, um, you know. And they are— they. The thing I would say that's different about Italian fashion and New York fashion— um, is that they do have like a general standard as to how fashion should look. And in New York, there really is no standard. You know, you can mix a bunch of different things and people will people will still say you're fashionable, you know. Um, yeah, in Williamsburg, you can kind of walk around and literally wear whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can wear whatever you want. Yeah, you wear- and you can have fashionable pajamas. That was a trend. <laughs> you know, people went outside in their pajamas for… Years, you know, and it was like, oh, I'm going to wear like these super fashionable pajamas mm-hmm. and my Adidas, you know, slippers. And like people would say, hey, I love your outfit. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we just have a different idea right. of fashion altogether. Right. And that… <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So what kind of pieces were your favorites on the 14th? What, what kind of… What, what surprised you about that night? Um, what surprised me, I would definitely say, I would definitely say Free. Free's pieces surprised me because, um, he originally was only supposed to showcase six looks. Mm -hmm. And, um, we had a lot more models that wanted to be a part of our show, you know? So he literally went home and came back with a whole nother suitcase (laughs) of like 20 outfits. (laughs) And they were all good. So, yeah. And he, he definitely has an art fashion, um, style and elements that I feel is trendy right now. Um, We actually have an event called The Intersection that we do that really highlights wearable art designers um, like like free art. Um, Miss Vietnam also surprised me because she, you know, she obviously she's a model 
first, but now she has all these different collections. She she displayed a traditional Aoyai piece um, collect, collection, but she also makes Western clothes as well. So I wasn't sure what to expect um, when she came. And then she had amazing hats um, and accessories that went with the garments. Mm. And I just, you know, I was surprised that she was able to bring all these huge accessories in her suitcases. <laughs> I mean, she opened yeah. it up and there were hats that were just like… Huge. Enormous, yeah. So, um, so she surprised me. And um, and also, Michael with a Y, who was our Caribbean designer. His mm-hmm. brand is called Hello High. Um, he really outdid himself, you know, on his pieces. They were just humongous, humongous, you know, backpacks on the, the models. To the point where the models couldn't even walk out straight. They had to walk out <laughs> sideways to get onto the nice. runway. But the photos that he showed me before… And mm-hmm. what he brought to the event, it was like at least three times the size. Oh. So, so yeah, they were, I think it was a little bit of a competition as to who could have the biggest <laughs> traditional pieces. Gotcha. But I mean, I understand because they're trying to show their culture, you know, and, yeah. and how grand it is. So, um, I think it definitely helped to, to get the message across. Amazing. Mm-hmm. What was the first time that you tried VR? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, here… It was actually here. I did one of the um, simulations downstairs in the pods. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really cool. That was really cool because I didn't realize how much VR had expanded um, in terms of what you could do mm-hmm. with VR. So definitely being here and seeing all the new projects that you guys are working on is mind-blowing, you know. Um, and I also was able to understand the value in it. Because I think for a lot of people, um, the traditional consumer, if they if they don't experience it and they they're reading about it, they don't really see why it's important. Mm. Um, so definitely coming here and experiencing them for myself, I was able to see why this is going to be such a big thing of the future. You know, you started off in photo, mm-hmm. and then and you're working with film now with mm-hmm. your company. Mm-hmm. Um, and are you personally using softwares and things to edit or does your team do most of the editing? Mm-hmm. Um, so we have we have professional editors that mm-hmm. do most of our editing. I mostly work with um, content creation. So we'll make the… So I'll make flyers, um, brochures, just traditional forms of marketing. And then when it comes to animations… Um, and we have other people on the team that really do that. Cool. Yeah. And so when you're looking at how you've, your experience with media and whether it's branding or storytelling, how you're finding the story, how you're finding the creative idea in these in these different media, mm-hmm. where do you see your story and the stories that you create and that uh, the branded content that you can make changing with this newer media? Mm-hmm. Um. I think that we have to we have to change our vision for our projects because I think the added benefit of these new technologies is that it makes our content more accessible um, to our consumers. So we need to start to think about how we're going to actually um, portray our message on these different platforms in a way that still makes sense. 
Um, because definitely when you're doing a photo, for example, you might not be thinking about the dimensions that it's going to be in when you're translating that to, to VR. So definitely changing um, the depth of field and changing the different angles that we're playing with, the different effects that we'll be able to play with um, makes more sense because that's what we're going to be able to actually edit and adjust. So yeah, we definitely have to change our perspective. Um, to make that still enjoyable. Have you done much advertising work in VR? Actually, no. No, but I would love to get into that. What kind of brands are you working with? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of street style brands. Um, we do have a few um, Asian and Indo-Western brands that we work with. And, um, and a lot of Italian brands, actually. What does the fashion show look like in Italy every year? Mm-hmm. Um, so the Italian show is a bit different um, because it's more traditional. Um, we do try to still incorporate some of our elements mm-hmm. um, that we have here. But it's, it's also difficult because we can't maintain the same standard um, of diversity just because our talent is mostly coming from New York. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been a bit difficult to find diverse talent overseas that can continue to bring that element and that flavor. Mm -hmm. So um, definitely as we grow, we would like to also start to fly in some more talent to be a part of the shows. Um, But normally we try to work with the local talent. Even though we're bringing in an international concept, we still want to create a platform for the local artists Mm -hmm. to to be seen. So, um, So yeah, it is a little bit different, but we still try to keep the design and the fashion element international. How do you think that VR can change a fashion show? So actually, you know, a concept that we're trying to push for the next event um, is to actually have the fashion show in VR. Um, I think that that would be amazing because that will allow us to take our experience abroad as well. You know, if we're able to do it in VR in real time as well for different people. Um, that expands our reach. Um, it also expands the amount of things that we can do during that time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it just gives it more of a um, futuristic approach. Um, so definitely we're, we're trying to bring in that element for the next ones. Well, thank you for hosting an incredible <laughs> event that is pushing the change forward mm-hmm. um, on on the 14th. And congratulations for such a successful event. And I'm wishing you the best of luck. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to many, many new projects and working with your team. Brought to you by Bigfoot Music and Sound and Jump Into the Light. If you want to reach out to Bigfoot for commercial music interests and post-production needs, including podcasts, original music and sound, sound design, and much more, contact yo at b-i-g-f-o-o-t-e dot com. If you're interested in developing your VR and AR content, contact hello at jumpintothelight.nyc.